the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, saying that the uh, talks on the debt ceiling have stalled. This was predictable, right? It's it's a game of brinksmanship. Uh, Biden is going to say that he's not going to go along with any work requirements for food stamps or other government entitlements. And he wants you to continue to be a healthy American male and not have to work in order to get your free check. That will, of course, enslave you to voting for Democrats your entire life, because once you become fat, dumb, and stupid, then you get paid for being fat, dumb, and stupid. Why would you ever vote for anyone who wants to make you go to work? Uh, I hope the Republicans hold the line on this. I hope they stick to their guns and say, look, we passed a debt ceiling in the House. You guys, Democratic majority in the Senate, figure it out. You, White House, figure it out. We've done what we're supposed to do. The Dems keep saying, oh, this House has got to do its part. They already did it. They already did it. They did something. You didn't do anything except gripe about them. So I hope McCarthy holds the line. The difficulty, of course, is that the media will portray it in a, shall we say, counterfactual, which is a nice way of saying dishonest way. But I hope McCarthy holds the line. All right. Back to the short north and the solution for a safe short north. Andrew Ginther, he's going to close the food trucks down now at midnight. A couple weeks ago, he said they had to close it. What was it? It was 2.30. And it closed 2.30. Uh, putting up lights, putting up cameras, bringing the cops in, big show of force. Okay, nothing wrong with that. I just would be jealous and mad if I lived in any of the other areas of the city, which is almost every other area of the inner city, that's not safe because of Ginther's inaction. But he cannot make the restaurants in the short north close at midnight, and so he has threatened them with not closing at midnight. That's the way I take it, and that's the way an attorney who represents the owners of four different businesses in the short north is taking it. The attorney's name is Ed Hasty. Andrew Ginther said yesterday that if the restaurants do not close at midnight, they will have the, quote, full and undivided attention of city, county, and state law enforcement. In other words... We're going to come in at midnight, and we're going to start hassling you. We're going to start checking your liquor license. We're going to start checking IDs. We're going to do whatever we can to make it uncomfortable for you. And, oh, look, if you close at midnight, mm, all this goes away. Nice restaurant. Too bad if something happened to it. So this attorney, Ed Hasty of the Short North, says, By my conservative estimate, the bars and restaurants spend at least $1 million a year hiring special duty officers, probably twice that, on private security. He calls Ginther's warning? I don't know. What do I call it? Uh, An unnecessary and unproductive threat. And notes that if they close at midnight, they will lose up to 20% of their revenue. Hmm. Ouch. Now, this is interesting to me because it is the latest installment of a Democratic policy 
that will not work. It will not work for one reason, in that you need businesses to thrive in the short north for the short north to continue to thrive, okay? I'm going to guess my minimal understanding of the restaurant business is that they're not breezing along making 40% margins. So if you take 20% of their revenue away, that's probably not going to be good for the long-term veracity of the business, okay? Second of all, you look around the country and you see other short-term, sensitive, sympathetic, equitable, inclusive solutions to problems. And what grows out of those situations is unmitigated, unrestrained dysfunction. I was watching, I think it was, I forget what news it was last night. And they did a feature on this area of Los Angeles that is overrun by RVs, you know, like big campers and yeah, stuff like that. Except none of them can run. None of them are operable. You say, well, they want them to move. They want to get them out of there. Just start the engine and off they go. No, they don't run. I don't know how they got there. I can't solve that problem for you. But they're filled with homeless people, okay? I mean, they're not really homeless. First of all, I mean, that's a very racist way to refer to them. They're now not homeless. They're now unhoused. That's a democratic thing too, of course. So, okay, so they're in these vehicles and they probably are in the vehicles because somewhere they outlawed tents and so they somehow found RVs. And isn't it amazing how people have no money and no job and no home or house always end up with some kind of shelter? If it's not a tent, it's a RV that's inoperable. But at any rate, this is a response. The homelessness in LA and Seattle, Portland, every other San Francisco, the homelessness is, it's like an internet video gone viral. I mean, it just has gone out of control in these areas. So Georgia now, probably in Atlanta, is dealing with its own homeless problem. But Georgia has a Republican governor, Brian Kemp. So what is Brian Kemp's policy on homelessness? It's essentially The opposite of whatever they're doing in California, whatever they're doing in Oregon. In Georgia, they have made laws that do not allow homeless people to camp in public, sleep, or obstruct the normal course of business, which is just, you know, walking here and there, on sidewalks. Anybody who does that, they throw them in a diversion program, which is, you know, a state program, but they try to get them back on their feet, get them off drugs, blah, 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 blah. They don't just leave them alone to like sit there and become even more of a danger to themselves and others. They also have authorized regular audits of how government money is spent on homeless programs. And then they will use the metrics of that to determine whether or not the programs get more money. Oh, wait, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like accountability for action. That's what that sounds like which is a big Republican thing, not so much a Democrat thing, which is why we have homelessness abounding everywhere. What else is a Democratic policy, Bruce, that is kind, gentle, (laughs) and ineffective? Well, how about marijuana legalization or the decriminalization of drugs? 
Marijuana legalization and decriminalization of drugs is responsible for a 204% increase in Manhattan for workplace accidents since the law was passed. A 204% increase in workplace accidents. So what people are doing is they're smoking weed at home, and they even say some of them are bringing the weed to work with them. Why are they bringing the weed to work? Are, they're not addicted, are they? No, I mean, heavens, no, they're not addicted because marijuana is not addictive. How many times have you been told that? No, they're bringing the weed to work, according to Madison Albright of Fox, because, I'm not kidding, the people they live the people they live with can't be trusted not to get into their stash while they're at work. This is an example of poor life choices, ladies and gentlemen. Growing out of poor policies. So how often do you hear about the bad mental health of the United States collectively? Man, we got really mental health. We got mental health problems. We got crazy people on subways and in transit stations and everything. We got mental health. We got to do more about our mental health. Meanwhile, we are legalizing marijuana just about everywhere, including here. It's not as legal as it could be. We're not, we're not Colorado. We're not California. But we've got degrees of legalized marijuana in this state. 35 states have legalized marijuana. Do you think if you went back to where the first state legalized marijuana, what do you think the mental health conversation was then? Was it as prevalent as it is now? I'm betting no. I'm betting it wasn't. But we can't ever look at the results of a progressive policy, grade the success or failure of the policy, and then adjust the policy. Well, we can't until things get super desperate. They have gotten super desperate in Oregon, where they voted recently to decriminalize meth, fentanyl, and other hard drugs. I'll tell you next how that's working out. So yesterday, I spent the first hour on the FBI whistleblowers in uh, Washington, and that was not a waste of time because it's an important story. Uh, So important. You know it's important by gauging how much attention it got last night on ABC, NBC, and the CBS Evening News. It got not one second of coverage on any of the three networks. You got three whistleblowers talking about being... Targeted, disparaged, diminished, canceled by the FBI. Horrendous treatment of these three heroes and their families. And nobody in the major networks covered it. Here's Kim Strassel, Wall Street Journal, on that phenomenon. If you think about how far we have come in the media, I mean, what does the media exist for? It's supposed to be there to question government power. Um, You know, and among the agencies that have the most power in government are those of law enforcement. And yet we have a media that is now lockstep defending the FBI, as it has essentially been doing um, ever since Trump took office. And we first got this Russia collusion hoax that came out. And apparently it's not done doing it. Yeah, apparently it is not done doing it because they were uh, disparaging it on the 
liberal cable networks, which is every single one except Fox, OAN, and what's the other one? Newsmax. Uh, I'll have more to say about that after we talk with Jack Windsor, Ohio Press Network, at the top of the hour. But back to Democratic policies and policies that do not work, and I've outlined a couple of them, legalization of marijuana. Uh, Here's a little tale of woe in Oregon. You may have seen the videos, Portland, Oregon. It is a toilet bowl now. It used to be a beautiful city. I never got to visit Portland, but I've been to many cities in our country. Chicago, Seattle, Baltimore, New York, L.A., you name it, man. I was there. Boston. Loved going to cities. Wouldn't set foot in any of them now because progressives have ruined the cities. The Democrats rule the cities, and the Democrats have ruined it. But it's all done with such good intentions. For instance, in Oregon, in 2020, the state voted to decriminalize heroin, methamphetamine, and fentanyl. Decriminalize it. So you could have it and you wouldn't be charged. Uh, Since that time, imagine this. Overdose deaths in Oregon have increased by 65%. Crime has increased by 65%. And homelessness has increased by 63%. Now, here is Oregon attorney Kristen Olson, who voted for the policy, who voted to decriminalize these drugs in Oregon, but now... Uh, realizes the error of her ways. I'm not alone in believing it was a mistake, and obviously I'm not alone in voting for it because it passed handily. I think the issue is we believed that it would decriminalize small quantities of drugs and reclassify them, and that open-air drug markets would not be allowed. It would be like the Portugal model, which is how the drug policy organization sold it to us. Mm. But addiction treatment centers like detox and rehabs, those weren't open. There are no plans to open them. And currently in the Portland area, we only have two detox centers, two, and they're always full. Imagine that. They're always full and they only have two. Imagine that Democrats outlined how great one of their policies were going to be. And it didn't really turn out that way. You know, can I think of another, like probably an exception, right? And let me see. Let me see. If I put my brain to work, could I think of another Democratic policy where we were promised that getting rid of the Trump policies, everything was going to be rosy and peachy keen. Oh, wait, the border. Oh, wait, the border. Okay, here. <laughs> uh, so far this year, 1,047,000 people have been apprehended or reported to have evaded capture at the border. This is from Customs and Border Protection. The 1,050,000 people is a total greater than the populations of six states, including Delaware, where our president is from, North Dakota, South Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming, and Delaware. The amount of people who have been apprehended or who have gotten away is larger than the population of 290 of America's 300 largest cities. It is also more than the population of 75 countries in the world. It's like we've added Fiji, Luxembourg, and the Bahamas to our census. 
another Democratic policy. That when you do the math, you see it did not work. Can I think of another? Can I think of another? Hmm, let me think. Joe Biden, Joe Biden. What does Joe Biden like to do? Oh, you ride the trains. Joe, Joe likes to ride the trains. Would you like some data from Amtrak? Okay, here you go. After posting historic spending deficits in 2021 and 2022, Amtrak is planning to spend more in 2024 as federal funding expands to unprecedented levels. Yes! Thank you, Joe. Amtrak Amtrak, uh, posted operating losses of $1 billion, with a B, in 2021, and $887 million in 2022. That's more money than they lost pre-COVID. So they are not back yet to where they were pre-COVID. But don't worry. Amtrak has asked Congress for a $350 million increase in funding to, what do you think they're getting? What do you think they're getting from the federal government for Amtrak? $3.65 billion. That is $3,065 million. Because there's a thousand million in every billion. This comes courtesy of the Investment and Infrastructure and Jobs Act, signed into law by President Joe Biden. See, you thought you were going to get bridges and roads and highways from the Infrastructure Act. Nope. You're going to get more Amtrak. That's what you're going to get. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And right here at home, ladies and gentlemen, uh, more progressive policies coming home to roost. Uh, The dispatch tells the uh, terrible story today of a 15-year-old boy in the intensive care unit at Nationwide Children's Hospital. He's 5'3", 140 pounds, and he was injured while in the custody of Franklin County Juvenile Services because he got in a fight with another kid. And the person from Franklin County Juvie came up to him and had to separate him and threw him down. And in throwing him down, the kid landed on his head, and now he claims he cannot walk. The kid says, I feel like I shouldn't have to go through this and be paralyzed and wondering if I'm going to be able to walk again and have a normal life. Yeah, that is very unfortunate. But is there anything this young man could have done or maybe should have done to avoid being in this situation? Well, I could start with the fact that he was in the custody of the Ohio Department of Youth Services, since March the 25th for violating his probation for past, ready for the word, convictions for attempted rape and assault. Now, I'm certainly not happy this young man is hurt. I certainly hope he recovers. But sometimes the most important lesson you can learn is that you are responsible for the predicament you are in. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.